Hello, my name is John Russos, and this is a toast to my naivety. It's all brought to you by the Here's My Thing podcast. This is episode seven of 10, the place of possible, the place to be. Enjoy. I was led to the break room by a man with straight brown hair that hard stopped at the top of his shoulders, tucking back what he could behind his ears. He wore a sweater without a shirt underneath. He didn't say much. He was very nice, but he didn't say much. And he didn't have to, though. He had boots. I think they were from the Doc Martin family. They were loud enough for the both of us, clicking and clacking with each step. At the door, he punched in a four-digit code, then he pushed in, and after releasing a sound similar to what comes when opening a three-pack of tennis balls, I was hit with a wave of what smelled like the chicken-flavored Top Ramen powder packs and calcified angst. If you can picture it, you, you would double-take in processing that this area was in the jurisdiction of the same empire that was slinging V-necks and tight pants, and not that my mood going into an H&M interview was especially good, but it was a mood killer. I, I, I'm not going to say it's, it wasn't depressing. It was a bit closer to what those anti-smoking ads on SoundCloud make you feel like. I'm not really sure what I was expecting. And I'm not sure why it was so dis... Well, no, I know why it was disorienting. The, the, the indie hit radio playlist from the main floor was drowned out rather abruptly and it was replaced by the constant purr of industrial grade fluorescent lighting and the lighting was a bit bright for my taste. I imagine that if I had contacts, they might have melted right onto my eyes permanently. It was that bright and so... After they adjusted, once I got my wits about me, I realized I was staring down a long hallway. It shot straight back to an opening full of what looked like tables and hangers, extra inventory. I figured there were sets of hands folding things, popping in and out of frame, but we turned left before that at a short stack of lockers into a room with a fridge, a sink, and some more tables and chairs. There was another guy sitting at a back table there. He was playing something on a Nintendo Switch. The employee with the sweater and boots said that the manager conducting the interview was on a call, so I was to wait here for a bit, and that if I wanted, I could help myself to some water from the sink. And he pointed me to a couple towers of paper shot glasses that you'd usually find holding mouthwash at a dental office, then walk back to the main floor. The person in the chair was sitting how one's younger cousin might sit while on a tablet at a family function. He had both feet up with his arms wrapped around his knees. He was fiddling with his device, making sounds that told me he might have to trim his nails soon. Sounds that came and went with occasional grunts and yeses under his breath. He hadn't acknowledged me, and I, I was not sure if I was to say anything either, which made me sitting across from him, albeit at the other table, a little bit weird. I, I pulled out my phone, and I swiped through a couple apps for a few minutes. I could hear the manager behind the door giving instruction to an anonymous voice over the phone. After I closed out of Twitter for a third time and the manager still on the phone, the break room door swung open again. And in walked a girl with heavy bangs and a nose ring. I think it was how she moved with only one wired earphone in, how she let her coat sag down one arm with two large bags in each hand, that I felt like she was not one to fuck with and certainly not one to pass out hellos to strangers in her familiar places. I mean, she didn't pick her head up to scan the scene. She just beelined to the lockers. And maybe I'm quick to pass out judgment. And maybe I'm very quick to build narratives right off the bat. But this girl seemed like someone who has never stubbed her toes because she's always been fitted in the more artsy combat boot. And if she ever did clip a curb barefooted, the concrete would have cracked and apologized under her foot. She held a very commanding aura. She seemed never bested by a loose shoelace or an airborne bit of pasta sauce onto a white t-shirt. Someone whose script for life was one that never saw her puzzled or, or defeated or flustered. 
which I think explains how surprising it was to see her struggle to open her locker. Surprising and uncomfortable, I heard her behind me cursing, winding the knob of the lock furiously, it, it fizzing against the number of dials. I tensed up and flinched when she'd bang it against the grated sheet of metal and say, this fucking piece of shit. Was this normal? Why was the guy playing the game not saying anything or trying to help her? And like a toddler being expected to pull a casserole out of a piping hot oven, I was helpless here. I don't know how to play with locks, not the old-fashioned ones, and I don't think words of encouragement would have been beneficial at all. It was when I wished I had noise-canceling headphones so I might play up my obliviousness that she finally spoke up and said, Fabian, what's the order? Is it back, forward, back? The guy in the Nintendo Switch, this Fabian, cut her off. Forward three times, back twice, forward once. The girl with the commanding aura didn't immediately reply. She just put his instructions to practice. The lock opened a moment after that, to which she said, I fucking swear. Thanks. She funneled what she could into her cubby, then made her way to the tables. I figured it was unlikely. Still, I braced myself to nod, maybe even exchange introductions, and, and maybe this Fabian character would get in on it too. I'd tell them that my name was John and that I was interviewing here, and then they might say reassuring things like, thank God, we've needed someone with a haircut like Macklemore in 2013 on staff. It's about time you showed up. Instead, she walked past with both headphones in, listening to something very loud. I, I could make out what sounded like two cheese graters being rubbed together with sandpaper. She sat down at the other table across from Fabian. They kept their heads down into their own worlds, leaving me to consider that of all the places I threw my resume at, the only one that picked it up was this H&M. When the manager finally came out, I saw that she was tall and wore a jean jacket. She had a mole on the side of her face just like me. I'm sorry I kept you waiting, she said, posing with the door open, motioning me to come in. I told her that it was no problem, and then I dragged myself across the chair, worried that it was made of the material that would show sweat. The more matte plastics, they tend to do that. This chair was ribbed, though, in, in some areas. I figured I might be able to squeak by. I'd spent last night wondering how to prepare for an interview at H&M and stores like it. I, I figured, though, I would just wing it because we'd run through past job history, and, and she would ask me to talk about my time waiting tables and frying calamari before wondering what my strengths and weaknesses are. And I would tell her that my one true strength is that I am so damn handsome. And then I would hold a straight face saying a silent prayer that she'd laugh at that. Because if she doesn't, I know I'll have to deter from any sort of potential humor. But if she does laugh at that, even if, even if the muscles in her face just shift very slightly in the direction of a smile, I'd later tell her that my weakness is frozen yogurt, but not before taking a deep breath in and looking up at the ceiling as if considering a litany of potential options, but I wouldn't consider for too long, and only long enough to earn humility in her eyes, and after a few seconds I'll say it deadpan, and then we'll both pause, and then we'll laugh, and she might even jab at my knee and tell me that I'm so bad, and I'll say, you're not wrong, and then I'll collect myself, I'll throw one leg over the other to clarify, no, 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 <laughs> and my voice would be noticeably deeper at this point. I think, um... Sometimes I just, I care too much about doing a good job. So finding a space where I can give that undivided attention, but be able to let go, I think that'll be huge for me. I saw that entire exchange as a possibility, just as much as I thought the entire interview could be one massive fit check, something to make sure that I'm fashionably literate. And for that reason, my main source of prep was to make sure the khaki slacks I frequent were washed free of odor and everyday stain. 
instead of either of those things happening, the entire 10 minute talk was rather uneventful. She didn't comment on my all beige outfit and she didn't wonder if I had any lactose based weaknesses. She breezed over my resume and used shortened words like fab and perf, even totes. After saying, like Joe Rogan, in response to me plugging my podcast, she pulled a loose piece of paper from under her keyboard. Welcome to the team, she said. It was an offer for seasonal employment. At the top of the paper read, H&M, the place of possible, the place to be. 